What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I'm Jordan, and today I'm going to be responding to Steve Schramm, aka the winsome creationist, who asked a very salient question about science in a recent video of his, namely, does supernatural creation do away with the need for science? Can we do science in a world full of miracles? Should you even want to do science in a world like that? Before we dive in, a little bit of background. Steve is a young earth creationist, which is a position held by some Christians, Muslims, and Jewish fundamentalists who believe that the earth was created approximately 6,000 years ago over the course of six days, six literal day and nights, just as described in the Bible in the book of Genesis. They also tend to believe in a literal Adam and Eve, a global flood from Noah, you know, wiped out everything on earth 4,000 years ago, a bunch of other stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So that's young earth creationism, but what about science? Steve never gives his definition for science, and what exactly is or isn't science is a little fuzzy, but I'm going to go with the Science Council's definition. If anybody should know what science is, it should be the Science Council, right? They say that their preferred definition is, quote, Science is the pursuit and application of knowledge and understanding of the natural and social world following a systematic methodology based on evidence. They also note that uh, it includes using experiments to test hypotheses, using inductive reasoning to establish general rules for the future based on past observations, verification tools like peer review, stuff like that. So now that we know the two things we're comparing, let's dive into Steve's video. Steve, in his video, is responding to a question from one of his audience members, Marty, who asked this question. Okay, so this is what Marty said. He said, if you're willing to accept that God changed the laws of physics, as an explanation of data that doesn't fit with young Earth, why even try to come up with scientific models and whatnot in the first place? It seems to me, at that point, any explanation is as good as any other. So this question from Marty is stellar because it strikes right at the core of the apparent conflict between creationism and scientific inquiry. If you're going to just invoke magic to change the rules whenever they're inconvenient, why bother figuring out the rules at all? What's the point of even looking into the evidence if your ultimate answer is just going to be, I don't know, I guess God did it. So this is a great question from Marty. And to his credit, Steve doesn't shy away from the implications of the question. And the long and short of it is, is that some of the evidence seems to point to the fact that God may have actually altered the laws of physics during the flood. And that is very troubling for some people. This is a tough area because the laws of physics pretty much affect everything that we know. Okay. So I definitely don't want to suggest lightly that something like the laws of physics being altered, you know, like that's not a little thing. <laughs> it's a very big thing. So here Steve acknowledges something that creationists often want to kind of just gloss right over. It is a huge claim to suggest that the laws of physics would be altered for many reasons, one of which is that you can't just like tweak them a little bit. Any change that you made to the fundamental laws of physics would have sweeping implications such as vaporizing the crust of the earth if you mess with <laughs> decay rates. Now, I don't know if Steve truly understands just how big these ramifications would be, but hey, credit where it's due to him for not trying to minimize the impact. At the end of the day, God created the universe and he has command over the laws of physics. It seems to me like if at any moment God wants to do anything, he can. Now, I actually agree with Steve here. If God exists, 
at any moment, he can do anything because he's God. And that's exactly the problem. In fact, it undermines a point that other creationists like to make. For instance, take Jason Lyle with Answers in Genesis. He makes the point that Christianity is necessary to make sense of the universe because without God, we can't know that the universe will be orderly. Only the Bible can make sense of those things that are necessary for knowledge. In order for us to know anything about anything, we would have to be a certain way. The universe would have to be a certain way, right? There would have to be a certain degree of orderliness in the universe, right? If, it's, if everything was chaos, we couldn't really know anything, could we? But what Steve just said blows that right out of the water. See, in a naturalistic universe, maybe we can't be 100% certain that the laws of physics will never change. Like in the strictest sense, we can't be totally sure. But we have no reason to suppose that they are going to change. No reason to think that that's even possible. So far as we can tell, they're just the way things are, and it doesn't seem like they can be any other way. But in a world where, like Steve said, at any moment, if God wants to do anything, he can, we know for a fact that the laws of physics not only can change, but do change whenever at the whims of some other being. At least in a natural universe, you can like make a bet that the laws of physics will keep trucking along in his universe. You, that You can't. You know they won't. Now, Steve goes on a long tangent here, arguing against the views of Hugh Ross for reasons to believe. We don't need to get into the details, but uh, Hugh basically thinks that the laws of physics have been unchanged since creation. Steve, being a young Earth creationist, thinks they've only been unchanged since Noah's flood. We'll get into that in a bit. So I'm going to skip most of that. But Ross uses a Bible verse, Jeremiah 33, 25, as his justification for the laws of physics never changing. That reads, thus says the Lord, only if I had not established my covenant with day and night and the ordinances of heaven and earth, would I reject the offspring of Jacob and of my servant David and not choose any of his descendants as rulers over the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will restore their fortunes and will have mercy upon them. Now, Steve doesn't think that is a good use of this verse. For a verse like this, I would not want to find physical laws to map a verse like this too, because the writer of this passage had no idea what the laws of physics were. Sure, he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but again, I don't, I don't see that process as like some sort of a download. The writer of this passage has no idea what the laws of physics were. Steve, my brother in Christ, you are so close. You're like, you're right there. You are absolutely right. The guy writing Jeremiah has no clue what the laws of physics were. And if inspiration wasn't some download straight into his brain, then he was just describing things as best he could with the knowledge he had. Cool. Now apply that exact same logic to Genesis. Those authors, because there's probably more than one, the authors of that text also didn't know the laws of physics. They also didn't know all the details about the things they're writing about, just do the same thing for Genesis that you did for Jeremiah and say that they were doing the best they could with the knowledge they had. You are millimeters away from the point, man. We were on the verge of greatness. We were this close. Creation was a supernatural event. The flood, while it had physical effects, was a supernatural event. So that's why the flood, it like really doesn't bother me to think that Maybe the laws of physics operated entirely differently before the flood. Sure. I mean, 
maybe it was like that. But how would we know that, Steve? What evidence could we possibly have for that being the case? You remember science, that thing that we were supposed to be doing, the, th the thing you were going to explain how creationism works with it? Well, that thing, science, requires you to use the evidence that you see to make predictions about what you're going to find in future experiments. You can't just make shit up, or at the very least, you can't just stop there. I mean, you can make the shit up, perhaps, but then you have to, like, go find a reason why that shit actually works. You have to do some experiments, peer review, all those sort of things. But what you're doing is seeing some evidence you don't like and saying, oh, well, the laws of physics were different back then. Well, how do you know? Yeah, I mean, I'd, it would be really cool if they were. So they are like that. That's the equivalent of what's happening here. As Christians, I really feel like we should believe that God has full control over his creation. And there's quite a bit uh, that we do not know. And so I do not think that invalidates the scientific enterprise, though, to try to look and see how these things might have happened and how they might have taken place. Except it absolutely does that, Steve. The thing you literally said just seconds ago completely destroys the scientific enterprise because we have no way whatsoever to probe beyond this time when God magically changed all the rules around. I mean, maybe you can do science moving forward as long as you're willing to bet that God won't again, do the thing that he definitely totally did in the past, but there's no way to make any sort of meaningful statements about that past. Once you hit that barrier, all bets are off. Like Marty said, if any time you find evidence that's inconvenient, you're just going to flip the table and declare the rules are different all along, like you're playing the very worst version of Calvin Ball, then why bother? Why not just make up the coolest sounding explanation and call it a day? Any explanation is good at any other. Just declare that the, you know, pre-flood world rained gumdrops and rainbows tasted like cotton candy. Why not? Prove that it wasn't. Laws of physics were different then, so hey, whatever. Now, I don't know you. But my guess is that uh, if we really dug down, I suspect that uh, when you say you're fine with the laws of physics being different in the past in the pre-flood world, what you might mean is if I, I'm going to act as if the laws of physics have always been the same in the past, you know, until that would mean that I'm wrong, at which point let's just chuck them in the bin, right? I don't know you, but that would be my guess, at least how some creationists would treat it. Even though God has control over everything that happens. It's his creation. He can do what he wants with it. It doesn't validate the scientific quest, in my view. It makes it more exciting. It makes it exciting in the sort of, oh boy, I wonder if this bridge that I'm walking on will suddenly crumble and fall out from under me, causing me to plummet me to my doom, sort of exciting. Because that's what science is reduced to in your worldview. You say that you think that God pinky promised not to change physics again. But you don't actually believe that because you have already said that you believe that God does that sometimes, change physics. You believe in at least a supernatural resurrection of Jesus, and unless you think that dead people routinely get up you know, and stop being dead, that violates at least a few physical laws. Uh, presumably, you think that God does other miraculous works from time to time, fixes some sniffles, maybe cures the odd cancer, whatever. So even though God promised he wouldn't change physics anymore, in your view. That promise is more like, you know, I promise I'll never do it again. I mean, never. Well, I mean, I won't do it a lot. I'll do it sometimes, you know, whenever I want, to whatever degree I want, you know, and definitely don't question me on it or you'll burn in hell for all eternity. But yeah, totally promise. Like, we don't have to use science to try to figure out how history played out. With creationism, we have what we believe to be a reliable historical record. And we get to work from that premise. 
we get to work from that basis of surety, of that strong foundation of the word of God, and then say, well, how might God have done it? In other words, he told us the what. He gives us a little bit of the why, and it's our job to go figure out the how. In other words, you know what's great about creationism is you get to start with your conclusion and work backwards from there. But that's not how science works, Steve. Science, remember that? The, the thing where you use systematic methodology based on the evidence to make hypotheses about what happened and then you test those hypotheses to see if they actually work. Science is not starting with the thing you already decided is true, forcing some evidence to fit as best you can and then declare the rest doesn't matter because God changed the rules. That's not what science looks like, Steve. That's weaponized confirmation bias is what that is. When we're playing spiritual, heavenly, hide and seek, that brings glory to God. That brings glory to God. Except in this game of hide and seek, if I lose, I burn in hell for all eternity. This has got to be the shittiest game of hide and seek ever. And so we are coming from the place that the Bible gives us an accurate history of the earth. Science starts with that history and then researches because it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal it. We research possible mechanisms that can make those events happen. It's almost like we're, we're crime scene investigators or something, if you will, right? Pulling out the old Lee Werner Wallace. Sure. I mean, we're crime scene investigators. If, you know, crime scene investigators couldn't be sure that the blood at the crime scene wasn't just like magicked into place a few seconds before they walked in. I mean, for all they know, right before they got there, the universe worked in a fundamentally different way, such that they can draw literally zero conclusions about how things got to where they see them. Yep. So like, if we're in that kind of crime scene, sure. I mean, you say that it is the glory of God for us to probe the world and learn how God created things. That makes sense. But if so, then why would he make it so that we cannot possibly do that? How do you believe in a God like that who can't then manipulate what he has created in any way that he wants to? In fact, the only ways that he can't, this is cool. This is crazy to think about. The only thing that God can't do is do something that is inconsistent with who God is and what promises he has made. Okay, I see, I see. And how do we know this? God cannot lie. The Bible says that in the book of Titus. God can't lie. How do we know? Well, God told us. Do you not see how ridiculous this is, Steve? Apply that logic to literally any other thing in your life. There's no way this guy on the phone would be lying about being a Nigerian prince. He said he wasn't lying. Do you see why this doesn't work, Steve? Imagine for a moment that you're wrong. Imagine that God could lie. Now, do you think it's at least conceivable that this God who can lie might tell you they can't lie? But you know, it's worse than that. You, you could apply a lot of theological arguments for why like a perfect being wouldn't be able to lie, whatever. But Okay. The problem is that in your worldview, Steve, this isn't just a hypothetical. The God that you're describing lies all the time to everyone. Because make no mistake, the universe does not look like it was made 6,000 years ago. The universe looks exactly the way it would look if it had undergone billions of years operating under the same laws of physics that we currently experience. That's the universe we see when we look out there. And it did not need to be this way. 
God could have done it differently. He can do anything he wants, right? So that means he went out of his way. He chose to make a universe such that anyone who's honestly looking for answers can't possibly find them. God, in your view, is actively gaslighting all of us all the time. You believe in a trickster God, Steve, and you want to believe that he's trustworthy because he said he was trustworthy. That makes no sense. He did it once, maybe, but he can't do it again. Why? Because then he would be breaking his promise. He can't lie, right? He can't be morally evil because God is all good. Except for all the lying he does all the time, right, Steve? And on the moral evil thing, that is particularly dangerous if you're going to demand that the Bible is literally true like many creationists do. Other Christians, the bulk of Christians who are not fundamentalists, who don't require the Bible to be literally true in all its details, they can uh, wrestle with these sort of things that are apparently, you know, evil by our current standard, but it was historical at the time, whatever. Like, those are things that they can wrestle with. But if all of these stories have to be literally true exactly as they were written down, then it looks like God had a lot of very questionable acts in the past, including multiple genocides, like the flood, you know, the one where he drowned literally everything on earth, all those kittens and puppies and stuff dead, you know, because some humans slept with angels or whatever. Like, so you're either stuck saying that God didn't do that and jettisoning, you know, the, the literal truth part, or you're saying he did do that. And actually like, you know, genocide's good sometimes you guys, and that's not great. So to sum up this whole video, Science, the question is whether science is compatible with young earth creationism. Science is the pursuit and application of knowledge and understanding of the natural and social world following this, a systematic methodology based on the evidence. Young earth creationism makes it impossible for us to do that because we have absolutely no way of knowing how things operated in the past because, according to Steve, things changed radically in the past. So there's no way we can probe past there. And we have very good reason to doubt that they'll continue operating consistently in the future because, again, they're subject to the whims of a powerful being who can change them whenever he wants. We're all just like fingers crossed hoping that God doesn't get antsy and decide to play with the dials again. Now, before I wrap up, I wanted to jump back to one thing Steve said in the middle of his video. I wish I wish I was a scientist, but I'm not. You know, I wish I was smart enough to uh, uh, to, to be among their ranks. This is a deeper admission than it might at first appear. Steve, you're aware that the universe is super complicated and you don't understand it as well as scientists do. And this isn't a jab at you. There's no shame in not understanding all of science because that's literally impossible for anybody. Even scientists usually only understand their particular thing, their specific thing really well. Scientists rely on other scientists for understanding things about their field, right? So that, that's a totally normal thing. But think about this, Steve. Doesn't it bother you that virtually all of these people who you acknowledge know more than you about these things, doesn't it bother you that virtually all of them disagree with you? 99.9 .9 plus percent of them in every field think you're wrong about the field of their expertise. Now, maybe you happen to have landed on the right answer, right? Maybe they're all wrong and you're right. That is possible. And maybe you think you can be confident in that because the Bible's telling you that and the Bible can't be wrong. But here's the thing, Steve, the overwhelming majority of Christians and biblical scholars think you're wrong about that too. Like they also think you're wrong about the thing you're using to give you confidence. And it doesn't have to be this way. You already said you don't think that inspiration is just like a download of information straight to your brain from God. So you just have to take that idea that you already accept and just apply it to the Bible. None of this is gonna force you to stop being a Christian.
by the way, there are many Christians who don't accept young earth creationism. They get by just fine. But maybe, just maybe, virtually every educated person on the planet disagrees with you because they know stuff you don't, which I empathize with. I was right where you are at one point. I've been there. But what you have to do now is take the next step. You have to go and ask them about it. Find out from the scientists themselves, not AIG, not creation.com, not ACR. Find out from the actual scientists what they know. Hey, if you're not sure where to start, I get it. it echo chambers are a real thing. Reach out to me. My contact info is in my about page. I know tons of scientists. I can put you in touch with the right people. But you have to decide that you care about the truth. You have to decide that you are going to follow the evidence wherever it leads. Because if it's the honor of kings to find, right, to seek, if, that, if that's the kind of world God wants us to live in, one where we can seek and explore his majesty and his glory through his creation. If that God is not a liar, and you don't think he is, then it should be that if we just honestly and, and carefully follow the evidence, we'll get to correct conclusions. So just do that. You have nothing to fear from that. And if it turns out you're wrong, no big deal. Just change your mind and poof, you're not wrong anymore. The answers are out there, Steve. You just got to go find them. And we're here to help, right? So you're not in this alone. And that's the end of the video. Uh, thanks for making it all the way to the end. Because you made it all the way to the end, you get a bias of the day. Today's bias is one of my favorites, regression to the mean. The mean is basically just a fancy word for average. And this is not the bias per se. That's like an effect, but it is often neglected. So the bias comes in not accounting for that. Uh, regression to the mean basically says that in a, like a random sample, there's a tendency towards the average. It's why it's the average, right? And it's easier to understand with an example. So suppose you're running a research study and you get a bunch of people together and you rate them and the romantic partners in terms of attractiveness. You might expect to find that people date people that are about as attractive as themselves, and mostly they do. But you're shocked to discover that the like super attractive people, they tend to have mates who are less attractive than themselves and vice versa. The uh, less attractive people tend to pull in you know, hotties. So what's going on? Why are the ugly people getting all these hot people, right? Uh, the answer is regression to the mean. So if you're at the end, the tail end of a statistical distribution, and it doesn't have to be attractiveness, it could be literally anything, there's going to be more options closer to the average value. So if you're super hot, there's a lot more people who are less hot than you and just not very many people who are hotter than you. And so all else being equal, you're going to get someone who's a little bit less hot than you. And the reverse is true. If you're you know, less hot than the vast majority of people, then on average, your mates are going to be hotter than you are, right? So things regress towards the mean. It's a real effect that happens. So just when you're looking at any kind of data, just be aware of it. So there you have it. Uh, if you enjoyed this video, please give it a like. Let me know what you thought uh, by leaving a comment. Subscribe for more content. All these things, I know we say it every time, YouTubers, whatever, but it really does help out the channel, and I do read all of your comments. Uh, but until next time, remember, you've always got reason to doubt.